Welcome back to the Metric Stack Podcast. Today, we're joined by marketing strategist Michael Barber, recognized by Adobe Marketo as one of the top 50 marketers in the world. Having worn both in-house and agency hats throughout his career, today you'll find him working with brands as varied as MeUndies, Johnson & Johnson, Apteen, and Ithaca College. I'm joined by Alan Villa, co-founder and CEO of Clipfolio, and I'm Lauren Thibodeau. A warm welcome to the show, Michael. Good to meet you both. Thanks for having me. Super. So, Michael, before we get into the details, maybe you can set the stage. You know, what kind of business objectives should we be thinking about with this with this metric we're going to be talking about? And and by the way, we are talking about reply rate. Michael, set the stage before we get into it. For sure. So setting the stage is just where we are from an email deliverability and authentication place in 2022 and beyond. As we think about the context of where we find ourselves in email, uh, we're dealing with any number of challenges, especially around deliverability and authentication, particularly as we've seen Apple iOS and the major ISPs adopt things like Bimmy, which is the brand indicators for message identification standard, and why reply rate is becoming so important for the ISPs is really to judge engagement. How are our subscribers reacting to our campaigns? Are they actually paying attention? And are they doing the things that really happen in a one-to-one email relationship, which is reply? So the stage is really about this idea of how do we measure true email engagement in 2022 and beyond? And how does that impact our relationship as brands and business owners for things like authentication and deliverability? That, you know what, that is super interesting. And it just makes so much sense that in this world of compliance and privacy and security and spam, that all of a sudden this natural reply behavior is what they would be listening to. So maybe let's back up just a second because we've got an, an audience that is, is not just focused on email and, and email performance, but what are the typical flows that you would go through when you send out a, a, a email nurture campaign, what are the metrics or the stages that somebody would go through in that and fa- phase? And where do you get this reply rate? For sure. So if you're thinking about email from sort of pre-delivery all the way through someone converting, and essentially there's three buckets of metrics. There is before they open, before they see any of the campaign metrics that really focus on that pre-opener, everything around deliverability. So, you know, how many spam traps are you entering? Are you on any black or block lists? Um, how are you getting through those lists and those potential, uh, those potential spam traps? So that's everything essentially to the moment your subscriber starts to interact with the campaign. Then there's the actual inbox metrics, which are all the metrics we've been measuring as email marketers and marketing strategists for what, since 1996, when we first all got our AOL and Hotmail addresses. And those are things like open rate, click-through rate, click-to-open, engagement rate from a read-time perspective, essentially everything pre-conversion. Then you have all of the metrics. And of course, we add all the negative metrics like unsubscribe and mark a spam and everything that can happen essentially that's driven by the subscriber. Then we have the post-conversion metrics where everything that happens when someone clicks on a campaign or when someone replies to a campaign, what actions do they take? Do they go into the website and explore your brand and really start to understand a consideration, if you will, actually around a purchase or a service conversion? Do they actually purchase a product? Do they download a white paper? Do they register for a webinar? 
Um, and then everything in terms of like long-term customer metrics around email, right? What's the value that that subscriber brings to the business? How do they impact customer lifetime value? Uh, is there any comparison metrics between non-subscribers and subscribers in those post-conversion metrics, post-conversion buckets, I should say. So as we think about all of those sort of metrics that we can be tracking as an email marketer or demand gen marketer or within our marketing ops roles, it's really pre-conversion inside the inbox itself, sort of those old school metrics that we've always been looking at for many years, and then those post-conversion metrics as well. What amazing context, uh, those three buckets. So thanks for that. And let's dig in then to the third one, which is really this reply rate. Um, does it have a few names? Does it wear a few hats? And what exactly are we measuring when we measure reply rate? So you're essentially me measuring the number of people who actually opened the email and then those that hit the reply button and you got a reply back to that campaign. So very similar to, you know, open rate is a, essentially a comparison of those who are delivered versus those that actually open the campaign, right? Same thing here. Um, when we think about reply rate, it's something that's always been there and it's always been something we have as email marketers, whether we have driven for reply rate or not. It's the natural tendency of what the average human being does with an email campaign. So whether we've been optimizing for it in the past or not, it's always been there. It has really only bubbled up, though, in the last two and a half years as we've seen two things happen. One, Apple, which arguably controls more than half of the first time opens across the world when it comes to people who are going to open a campaign inside of a mobile device. That's largely driven by Apple-related devices, those either being the iPhone or the iPad. And some key changes that they made within their operating system version 15 and version 16. In 15, we got mail privacy protection right, which essentially said to us as marketers, look, you don't get access to uh, the inbox and everything that your subscribers are doing inside of our inboxes. Those Apple Mac mail and Apple uh, native mail icons on the iPad and, and iPhone right, because that's the privacy concern that we've allowed to go on for too long and Apple is, whether or not they're being implicit about this or not, they're building their brand around privacy. And so those first changes came with mail privacy protection, right? Suddenly, a significant amount of our subscribers, in some cases, we could not see open. We could not see where they are engaging uh, in terms of location and how often they're engaging. And that has huge implications for us to consider us, you know, email flows, how we score leads, how we interact with these customers, right? And then they've taken it one step further in iOS 16, and they've adopted BIMI, as I mentioned before, which is brand indicators for message identification. So BIMI is just another authentication standard like SPF, DMARC, and, uh, uh, and DKIM, sort of the three or four gold standards, if you will, of email authentication. And what email authentication is, is essentially, hey, we are the brand who we say we are. Um, Bimmy first came out from the team at, a, at Yahoo, essentially was a way for brands to show a logo inside of the inbox, right? To customize what they wanted that logo to look like, how they wanted it to show up for operational versus transactional versus promotional campaigns, right? And we've seen almost every single major ISP, Microsoft, Gmail, and the folks over at Google, and now Apple I, uh, adopts the Bimmy standard. And essentially what it's trying to do is really do two things that both serve the consumer. One, make sure that we have truly authenticated brands getting into the inbox. And two, 
provide a more visual experience around the inbox itself, right? We don't have to potentially just rely on the friend name and subject line. We could simply see a logo that we're very familiar with and that we love and adore and suddenly click on that because that is more familiar for us, right? It creates visual cues for the subscriber. So these two big changes really lead to, hey, a metric that we've got to be tracking is replies because number one, if we are going to be excluding opens, essentially everything pre-conversion from our Apple subscribers, reply becomes a metric that's important for us to understand are they an active subscriber or are they not an active subscriber? And Bimmy becomes even more important in that regard because again, it starts to elicit this more one-to-one -one communication experience inside the inbox with a brand. So this is this is really big. Uh, and and it's big and it's timely. I've I've seen the the notices inside of our HubSpot email environment as well, where they're sort of they're posting these alerts saying the changes to the way emails are being sent. Who in the organization should be paying a special attention to this? And who's going to be caught behind the eight ball if they don't? The easy answer for me to say is, listen, if you're the head of marketing, whatever, whether that's CMO, VP level role, and email plays a significant part in how you deliver revenue to the organization, that you should care about this. Uh, but I imagine that's not the case for everyone. And if, from a practical perspective, I think initially you've got your email strategists or those agencies or consultants that are helping you execute those campaigns, right? That need to talk to you about the impacts mm -hmm. of BIMI and mail privacy protection on the inbox and what that means to track reply rate. And then two, starting to bubble that up into your senior strategist roles and it hopefully at, you know, into senior, uh, it's into senior leadership to say, Hey, because we need to be tracking these more engagement based metrics, things like reply rate. We should be focusing how we approach content inside of the inbox to drive those sorts of metrics and therefore not necessarily care so much about things like, hey, the size of our subscription list and potentially some of the other metrics that we have so dearly held on to for many, many years, those things like open and click-through rate, because those are not as impactful in two specific, very specific ways. Number one, we tend to see brands that focus on the reply that build that relationship, see bigger impacts and performance from the, from email marketing than those that do not. And two, the ISPs, the people who care about and really control how we get into the inbox, they are looking at two major things to determine how engaged your subscriber is. And that's reply. And then what do they do with the message? Do they folder it? Do they archive it? Do they care about it? Those are more, way more important to the ISPs. And when I say ISPs, I'm talking about the Googles, the spam house, the spam traps, you know, uh, Verizon who controls essentially Yahoo and the like. Um, uh, those metrics, they care way bit more about those to understand if a subscriber is engaged than they do open and click through rate. And oh, by the way, they've also explicitly told us that some of the metrics that we've cared about that have negative impacts for us as marketers are very different than some of the metrics we care about. We have long held on to like that the unsubscribe and Marcus spam is possibly the worst thing that a subscriber could be doing in the inbox for our brands. But the ISPs have said as just as bad as that is an unengaged subscriber. So someone that do doesn't open, click or reply, they are scoring your campaigns at that level to understand if you even care that you're sending emails to these people. So it has big implications, both on the performance side of email of just getting into the inbox and then also on 
how you drive revenue from these campaigns and the downline impact that happens for the business itself. So so you've just blown the minds of a whole lot of digital <laughs> marketers and tossed their campaign, their their templates out the window. I know, Lauren, I feel like I'm being schooled here. Like everything that I thought was dear and true is completely out the window. It's true. All those links and buttons and click, to click, 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 click. Really, it's much higher value to get a reply. It is. I mean, that's what the ISPs are telling us. It's not just what I'm saying. It's what the ISPs are saying. I think that you, you sort of have to take a step back and start to think about Okay, if we if we think of this as a, like a top level, you essentially have two types of a campaign as a brand. You have your automated and operational sense. Those are things like transactional related or order related. Um, and then you have your promotional campaigns. We truly have to start thinking about these promotional campaigns of how we can really deliver a one-to-one experience and hopefully impact clicks. Yes, those continue to be impactful. Not as impactful as reply rate, but those continue to be impactful and a key measure for us, especially post iOS 15 and mail privacy protection, that someone has a raised hand that they are actively engaging with our content. So I don't want to discount click-through rate by any stretch of the imagination, but we have to start to think about what truly helps us better understand what that subscriber cares about. So looking at what they click on and then continuing to deliver that sort of content or things that may be related to it. And then two, it starts to potentially impact how do we approach things like our from names and subject lines? Maybe we need to take a step back and start to look at, are there specific from names inside the organization that we could be testing and optimizing to try and deliver nuanced content? One really good example out there that I use all the time is the folks over at stickermule.com. They make stickers. It's a you know branded merch, if you will. One of the things they've always done for years is try to figure out if you are more apt to open something that comes from the brand, Sticker Mule, or if it comes from one of their uh, key individuals inside the organization because they're founder, they're largely founder-led, right? Um, and what they've realized is usually in about 65% of the cases, their subscribers like seeing an email campaign come from their founder. So they then lead with that. They don't. They do not lead with some sort of like, you know, lovely HTML design uh, branded email campaign, they lead with a largely text-based campaign that feels like it's coming from the founder. And if you reply, that's eventually getting to the founder's inbox, whether his EA, right, puts it in front of his eyes is a whole other story, right? But it does help drive some of the metrics that both the ISPs and hopefully the business uh, look at in, in terms of driving revenue. So the, the typical no reply from email address is not a good idea? It should have been gone many, many years ago. Now it really needs to be gone. Yes. Even if it's not monitored. I mean, that's the thing is there are tools at our disposal these days that can monitor these inboxes remotely and understand if it's a real human being that's replying back and then routing that message accordingly. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, companies out there that are helping organizations do that at scale. Um, so even when marketers sort of go like, how would we even handle not having a no reply or making a monitored inbox? There's a variety of technical ways that tools out there can help them do that at scale. Um, and there's also, you know, essentially, hey, if an email comes from this specific email address, we filter it out and we monitor that inbox once a week or once yeah. a month, whatever it may be, right? Or we, you know, somehow work and collaborate with customer service so that yeah. our the individuals that are picking up the phone that are answering DMs on Twitter are the same individuals that are potentially replying back to these campaigns to get these customers to the right places. 
So I wonder, I wonder if we could use some examples, and, and I've got two that I'm thinking about right now, um, because it dramatically changes not only the, the from address, like we, we were just chatting about, but it changes the, the content as well. And I'm happy that you said that open or click-through rates aren't just a thing of the past. They're still important, but reply to is really that sort of gold standard. So, so example one is, um, you know, let's use our, our company. They sign up for a, a free trial. And we send them the first welcome email. So that's kind of example one. You know, example two is the sales rep sends an automated email from her and it actually says, let me know if you have any questions, right? So is one a better approach than the other? How do you write content for that more generic one that just goes out and welcomes somebody to a trial um, and make sure that the inboxes see it as legit and authentic? versus what would tri- traditionally be a, a more one-to-one sort of personal email. Yeah, so the way that we're seeing a lot of brands tackle this conversation is essentially test this, right? And and first of all, we have to sort of take a step back and understand as a brand, are we as a part of our brand strategy it, uh, in being intentional about uh, putting our team and our employees um, and making them a part, their personal brands, a part of our brand as an organization. If the answer to that is yes, then we should be testing essentially these first few touch points, whether it's a welcome campaign or an onboarding experience as someone has logged in and uh, potentially done a free trial or then paid for your first tier at pri- uh, plan or whatnot, is starting to decide, okay, well, how often do we see open interactions and clicks when it comes from the brand of Clickfolio in this case versus customer service or sales team member from Clickfolio, right? Um, I'll give you an example of a brand I think does this enormously well. It's the team over Asana, which is a, a productivity of team project management platform. They do this extremely well once you have become a paid customer at there. So free payment when you're on the free plan, and I think they've started to test even within the free plan, they message essentially your next steps and tutorials from the brand itself. So you've logged in, this email comes from Asana, it's lovely. They, because they've asked you a couple questions through the registration process, they give you some how-to videos and some blog posts that are specific for your industry. Then about a day later, they start to you start to see campaigns coming from a real human individual. Now it's not, that person isn't sending these campaigns, right? These are coming from some sort of a demand gen platform that's out there, whether that's integrated into your ESP or email service provider or not. But it's then building the relationship with that customer service rep who can say, okay, here are the next steps. Here are some things that you can take advantage of. Here's my calendar. If you'd like a little tutorial or want to ask some questions and they start to figure out what you open and what you don't. Is it the from name that's coming from the brand? Automate that it comes from the brand more often. If it's the customer service individual, then you reduce the frequency of automations that are coming from brand and you increase the automations that are coming from, you know, XYZ individual on that customer account team. But you've got to test these things. And it really starts at the the brand level to understand, do we want to put our team forward in those initial experiences with our brand? If the answer is yes, and that's part of the brand strategy, then I think you start to have to test those things and figure out what works and what doesn't. Yeah, phenomenal practical advice. And as as companies and marketers are starting to get familiar with this, could you give us some guidance on benchmarks for this metric? What is a great reply rate? I mean, it's yeah, the yeah. Wild West. Does it vary by... It industry? is. Um, 
What can you say? It is completely <laughs> the Wild West right now. There is no pub. There's nobody has done any research that I am aware of at this point uh, that starts to look at industry benchmarks for reply rate. What I would say is that at a bare minimum, you're probably looking at lower reply rates for anything that's coming from the brand versus coming from an individual. So if you're looking for reply rates from the brand, you're probably talking about you know, a sub 1%, if you will. But when you're looking at reply rates that are coming from individual campaigns, those can be even higher in some cases than our average quick click-through rates for, for certain industries. You know, we typically see, depending upon the industry, you can go anywhere from like 3% to like a 20-ish percent click-through rate, depending upon what industry you're in. In certain industries, we're seeing a reply rate that it is much, much higher than that. So we're talking a 40 to 50% reply rate in certain industries when they start to really nuance, hey, this is, you know, this is the industry that you're in. They understand who you are. They're showing you off tutorials or information that may be a case study that's very similar to your organization. Um, they're including a calendar. It feels like it's coming from an individual, right? It's got their email signature. It sounds like a human being, which is often the biggest stumbling block for organizations to get around to really like be nuanced about their tone and voice because if it's going to come from an individual, it needs to sound like that individual. But it's the wild, wild west when it comes to reply rates. I mean, we really have only, you've only just started to see the ESPs include reply rate in their dashboards. HubSpot just added it, I think, less than in the last like 90 to 120 days, if that. Um, and they're putting like a lot of asterisks around the box, like how they're monitoring this and, and what they're doing. Um, and some of the other bigger ESPs that are out there that, you know, names we're all familiar with haven't even put this into their dashboards yet. I had, I had like chills when you said the reply rates could be like north of 20% because when we were earlier saying, you know, it's the, it's the head of marketing or the marketing email specialist that should be paying attention to this. It, it, it goes far beyond that. I mean, this is the sales team that has to field these these re responses, right? If, if somebody replies, you've got, you've got a, a live engaged individual on the hook. I mean, this is, this is gold. You have to sort of engage right away. Um, so it's the support teams and the sales teams that actually have to be prepped and ready for this. Um, at least that's the way I'm thinking about it right now. Whereas in with a click-through model, you know, they would click through, you would sort of ingest that knowledge, the email campaigns would spit out the next nurture campaign and away you would go, right? Very automated and scalable system. But I think if, if we're doing something that is much more natural, uh, it requires people. It does. And then it requires a look at, okay, if we are going to struggle with scaling this, then there are other platforms out there that can help do this, um, you know, regardless of sort of what yeah, marketing automation platform you're on. There are bolt-on tools that can help uh, not only just on the uh, scale side to be able to execute these campaigns, but also allow you to see what is our reply rate from individual salespeople within the organization? What type of content typically elicits mm -hmm. higher versus lower reply rates? Those sorts of things. Um, and sometimes it's a very manual process. There are a couple organizations, um, and if you're a thought leader or maybe an author or you're building up, you're trying to generate thought leadership for a CEO or an individual, right? Some of this stuff just has to be manually monitored and reported on. Uh, my dear friend, Ann Hanley, uh, who heads up the team over at Marketing Profs and is a, a marketing uh, author and speaker, um, she tracks this. Basically, her team tracks this themselves and they, yeah, and they have their own 
quirky name for the metric that makes it feel a little fun to actually have to go through our inbox and figure out how many replies people are sending, right? But um, sometimes it's a very manual process. And it, it, you start to have to think about, okay, are we going to have a monitored inbox where these are coming mm-hmm. through so that the team can at least see those? And then there's someone within marketing ops that's dispersing them to the respective salesperson. Um, you start to have to think about what's the cost and investment implications to make this easier for the organization and scalable, but also you know, making sure that we uh, uh, can get replies back to customers. Because the last thing that we want is if someone's replying, you better believe they want a response back as quickly as possible, right? So they they feel like they're an engaged individual. They, they're going to want to see something come back, whether that is uh, automated. So it at least kicks back and says, thanks for your reply. Here's some additional things that may be able to help. And I'll get back to you in the next 12 to 24 hours, what that may be. Um, or making sure that those replies that are coming back are getting looped into and dealt with regardless of the team, whether it's sales or customer service, that they're getting handled across the organization. Have you seen, so you mentioned earlier in those three buckets, a number of other metrics that that reply rate pairs well with, if you will. So that's been nicely answered. What I would ask is just kind of uh, unraveling the thread you you pulled out a second ago. Are there internal metrics that companies should be looking at that would pair well with this, like turnaround time or number of answers within you know a certain period of time? Are there things now that companies should be holding themselves to uh, in related metrics here? Yeah, so this is a bit of the age-old question. Um, one area I think that this pairs well with is understanding how much time people spend with your campaign. So how many minutes or seconds are they engaging with? Because uh, you know there's going to be a sweet spot. You'll start to figure out the average individual time that's spending with a campaign. What is the impact of that uh, on them replying or not? So we see read time as a really complementary metric to response mm-hmm. rate or reply rate. You're typically dealing, depending upon the organization, you're individuals are probably spending in the neighborhood of about eight to 10 seconds with a campaign anymore. And either they're, a, they're an engaged user, they're an engaged subscriber, or they really care about the content. Um, it might be intentionally less, right? You're making it skimmable. You want them to get some sort of quick takeaway. Um, so certainly with read time inside of the inbox. Uh, and then you sort of nailed it on the head when you said response time, right? Given that the expectation for speed these days is second to none. We've got to be optimizing for understanding how do we get a reply back as quickly as possible. So maybe that's ensuring there's a couple of ways that we can help these things. Maybe that's ensuring that we have you know an FAQs document or a, uh, an internal resource where people can easily do a cut, copy, and paste to answer questions, right? Um, and then there's various levels of the organization from seniority where things can get worked up quickly so that a response can get delivered as, as efficiently as possible. Um, I think you also have to think about, uh, those downline impacts of, uh, email on your business. And, and when I mean downline impact, I'm sort of talking about direct business impacts of email. So what is the, uh, what is the impact of a subscriber compared to a non-subscriber on the business? Um, I think it pairs incredibly well with that. I would, I would probably venture a guess that if your reply rate is better than good, then your value that you, that is delivered via the inbox is probably larger for a subscriber than it is a non-subscriber. So you over index on making sure you invest in your subscribers, making sure the content is exclusive to them, those sorts of things. Um, and, and again, thinking about broadly outside of the inbox, you know, potentially 
what are the metrics that are indicative of uh, someone who is going to reply from a lead scoring perspective. So sort of, hey, if we have a hand raiser that has now become a subscriber, what are the actions that they did on your website or the interactions they've had with the business that caused them to become a subscriber and then ultimately elicited a response? What are the sort of things that they downloaded? What is the content that they looked at? And looking at those trends, because that could help be a key indicator of what sorts of content you need to create in the future that hopefully get a really engaged subscriber that then is replying back to a salesperson. Michael, I want to really, really thank you. This has been incredible. Um, such a, a humble little metric, such as the reply rate, and it has these massive company-changing, culture-changing implications. So anyways, huge thank you to you, everybody. Michael Barber, marketing strategist uh, at Barber & Hewitt. Again, thank you so much. For sure. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. If you enjoyed today's conversation about metrics and data, be sure to check out Metric HQ, our online resource for the metrics that matter most to you and your business.